Okay, so Adam, if you want to layer all that and do some weird stuff, even though Chrissy will hate it, it, I think it'll be hilarious. I know, but I'm not in laughing mode because of the racist ass New York Times and David Dink. Wait, what happened gonna, in the Let's start recording. New York Times. Okay, sorry. Because, because, because. It's FAQ NYC. It's Tuesday, November 24th. Mayor Bill de Blasio is sort of talking about his plan to reopen schools. We still don't know the specifics. UFT boss Michael Mulgrew is talking about changing mayoral control next year, maybe to give teachers more power and the mayor less power. Governor Andrew Cuomo, who canceled his Thanksgiving plans on the same day he won his Emmy, as uh, people noticed that the guy who said, if you love your family, don't see them on Thanksgiving, had invited his uh, mom to come visit for Thanksgiving. More bad shootings in Brooklyn, uh, where teenagers were shot at a uh, house party in a shooting that seemed to be a follow-up to a shooting at an earlier house party. Things go on in New York as they do, and we have the really sad news that the uh, 106th mayor of New York City, David Dinkins, its first and to date only black mayor, passed away on Monday, just two months after uh, Joyce, his bride, as he liked to put it, of 67 years, had passed away. Chrissy, hello. Hello. I'm sad. I know. We've been talking, sorry everyone, before recording. And, uh, you know, you you were sharing just some of your thoughts on uh, what Mayor Dinkins had had meant for, uh, for New York. And um, we spoke with him last year in February for almost two hours in his office. And in a little bit, we're going to play you that interview very lightly edited. But in the meantime, Chrissy, just uh, share share with our listeners a little bit about what you're thinking as you're taking this in. Yeah, well, you know, he's he was a lifelong public servant, you know, and a veteran um, and part of you know, the, the gang of four. And so now that leaves Charlie Rangel as the, he was always known as the baby of the group, but Charlie Rangel is the last surviving member. So Basil Patterson and David Patterson's father and, and um, Percy Sutton and now David Dinkins have, have passed on. And as mayor, you know, he's the executive of the largest city in the United States. He's a global mayor. He's Obama before Obama. He and Bill Lynch bringing Mandela to New York after he's shortly released from over two decades in prison, but before he becomes president of the new South Africa. You know, what that meant for Africans in New York, what that meant for Black people in New York, what that meant for Black people and Africans and the larger diaspora, like across the country, bridging New York and this anti-apartheid movement, what he represented not just to black New Yorkers, but to black people everywhere. And it's like Harold Washington in Chicago, Brady, or excuse me, Bradley in LA and Dinkins in New York. Um, The three largest U.S. cities 
and the leadership of those three men. And like the way David Dinkins did it with like style and grace. I mean, everyone's like, oh, he's such a gentleman. But like he was like in the true sense of the word. And to have someone like Rudy Giuliani inciting white nationalist rhetoric at every turn, trying to get the NYPD to go against David Dinkins, inciting a riot on the steps of City Hall, what he had to endure, you know, Giuliani was Trump before, you know, Trump was Trump in the, in the way that Giuliani harassed and trolled David Dinkins, the way Trump trolled and harassed Barack Obama. There's a reason why the two of them rolled together. I mean, my only real regret is that David Dinkins didn't live long enough to see Rudy Giuliani in handcuffs, to be quite honest, which is possibly coming. But how he never sort of let, you know, the way Giuliani tried to erase his legacy, um, he never he never sort of responded in kind. And sort of, you know, we can think about the U.S. Open. You know, we know the Esther Fuchs talked about it a few weeks ago on the podcast. I mean, the amount of money and jobs it provides. Like, there's some long-term visions that Dinkins had. You know, obviously the decrease in crime is largely credited it's due to him, but not credited to him. It's credited to Giuliani. But like, we know that he planted those seeds. But like, you think about sort of the vision of the U.S. Open and what that meant or what it still means for the city. And I just, I mean, we know that when his bride passed away almost two months ago, we most of us knew that David Dinkins would not um, be with us very long. So that's kind of where I am. I was fortunate enough to spend quite a bit of my adult life uh, with him in various capacities at Columbia University. Um, And he was just, he was just a leader in the true sense of the word. And I think this is a great loss for New York City, for Black America, for the veteran community, for Harlem. I mean, the list goes on. For the tennis community, uh, for the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, he marched with them in 1991. There's that great story you know, beer bottles are being thrown at him and other um, gay uh, marchers in the St. Patrick's Day Parade. You know, there's sort of some bravery and decency that he always had towards all New Yorkers that has been lacking since he left office. He had been the only living mayor who hadn't run a uh, deeply embarrassing campaign to be president. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the only one who had really a, a sort of a dignity in his uh, post-mayoral life. He wrote a memoir or a biography of his time in office, uh, A Mayor's Life, that came out in 2013 that I'm of the understanding had been delayed because of what Giuliani did with his papers yes. uh, after he became mayor in 1994. Mm-hmm. We, we, yeah, I mean, after – you know, David Dinkins would always say, like, he beat Giuliani by 50,000 votes in the 89 race. And then in 93, when they met up again, he lost by 50,000 votes. Uh, and it was a different time. The city had, you know, sort of moved through various racial incidents that were oftentimes blamed on Dinkins and how he handled or didn't handle them. But, like, Rudy Giuliani is who he's always been the Rudy Giuliani that most New Yorkers and most Americans and people across the globe are seeing right now. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what happened to him? Nothing happened to him. 
That's who he's always been. Black folks have always known that. He's the lowest of the low, the racist of the most racist. Like, he's a despicable person. I'm putting that in writing. And, you know, the word on the curb is that it is illegal to destroy mayor's papers, but that's what Rudy Giuliani did when David Dinkins lost his reelection bid. And so that's why it took so long for him to write his autobiography, um, because he was missing some of the needed materials. I mean, that's just, that's who Rudy Giuliani is. In 1989, David Dinkins was the mayor who beat Ed Koch and Rudy Giuliani mm-hmm. in the same year, which is a pretty remarkable. And this, of course, was the mm-hmm. year right after uh, Jesse Jackson's uh, presidential run. It was, a, it was a big, big set of moments and uh, a signal you know, one for New York. I, I wrote, you know, an article, academic article about the reason why Jesse Jackson's 84 presidential run and 88 especially are so important is because, you know, black folks have only been voting, you know, freely since basically the 1865 vote or the 1965 Voting Rights Act. You know, it's like 1865 passage of the 15th Amendment, which gives black men the right to vote. But like it takes another hundred years to actually put it into real practice. So Jesse Jackson running creates an organizational structure across all 50 states. We have people like Donna Brazil and David Dinkins and Wilson Good, who becomes the first black mayor of the city of Philadelphia, you know, and sort of black people across the country who then become the first black mayors or, uh, you know, leaders in their respective cities and states. And so it's the organizational structure that they learn. It's the fundraising that they learn. It's sort of the ins and outs and the intricacies of politics that black people have been shut out of that they get to sort of build these coalitions. Don't forget Jesse Jackson and the Rainbow Coalition. So it's like, hey, black people, we can't sometimes make it into, you know, statewide office or become a mayor of a city because, A, we're not predominantly black city, um, even if white people do believe that. But it's like, you know, how do you build substantive coalitions and think about issues across sort of racial, class, religious lines? And so the campaigns of Jesse Jackson in 84 and 88 showed a lot of black people how to do that. And this is how we get the rise of black mayors. And this is how we get David Dinkins as a direct descendant. He was Jesse Jackson's New York financial chair. And with that, let's go to this interview, which happened in Mayor Dinkins' office of Columbia. If you go online to FAQ.NYC, you can see some pictures of that. And it's sort of, it's pretty incredible uh, photo wall uh, covering his, uh, his life and career. Let's jump right in. All righty. <coughs> okay. Thank you so much for having us. We are at Columbia you or, University. You ordered me to. <laughs> I cannot order the Honorable David Dinkins, 106th Mayor of New York City, <laughs> to do anything. But we are so happy that you're sitting down with FAQ NYC. Um, Harry Siegel and I are at Columbia University, the SEPA building on the 14th floor in Mayor Dinkins' office. Um yeah, I just I want to say thank you again. So essentially, have you ever done a podcast before? Is this your first podcast? I guess it's the first. Okay. So uh, Harry and I are just going to record this and then we'll sort of listen to it. We might see if we can come back at some point in time and ask some follow-up questions if, you know, we don't get everything today. Um, but we were hoping you could start today and talk to us a little bit. We want to obviously talk about your service as the first African-American mayor of New York City, the first and only. Uh, But before we get started, we wanted you to tell us a little bit about your service um, when you joined the Marines and sort of how that path led you to 
public service as a politician? Well, I was 17 years old, about to turn 18. The war was still going on. They were drafting people. And if you said you wanted the Army, they'd give you the Navy. You said you wanted the Navy, they'd give you the Army. <laughs> and I figured that the, the people you knew were dying. I mean, it was a real war. This was not Vietnam or something. This was, this was WW2. Mm-hmm. So um, I reasoned that uh, the best way to increase my chances of survival were to be well-trained which meant to me be a Marine. So uh, it's a very long story, but uh, I did get in the Marine Corps. And uh, I looked like a Boy Scout because I was so young and so little. And, uh, and you were coming from New Jersey, yes? Yeah, I was living in Trenton, New Jersey. <coughs> and they had no recruiting office in Trenton for for the Marine Corps. So uh, eventually I, I ended up going to uh, Camden, Philadelphia, Jersey City, Newark, and New York. Not 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 in that order, but I went to all those places. Uh, before I got in, I was told... Uh, you got to go to the state of your residence, or they said they had their quota of Negro Marines. So it, it took a, a, a lot of But anyway, I got in. Now, why the Marines, since the Army and the Navy are historically the, the two wings of the armed services that take the most African Americans? Did you choose the Marines? And why Damn right. I worked hard to get in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. Smartest thing I ever did, too. And once you're recruited, you went down south for basic training. I was trained at Monfort Point Camp, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, it, as it developed, the war ended while I was in boot camp, and the GI the drill instructors came in and said, "All right, get down on your knees and say, God, the war's over." Mm. He said, now get up, nothing's changed. <laughs> and nothing had changed. Mm-hmm. Just as hard on us then as he had been earlier. And so once you finished, so the war's over, you then go to college? Well, when I, when I, uh, I got out, and uh, because of the GI Bill, you could mm-hmm. go to any school that would admit you. And I got out in August, so I said, well, I'll go next year because it's so close to September. But my parents, in their wisdom, said, no, you go now. They were afraid if I didn't go, then I wouldn't ever go. Mm-hmm. So uh, I uh, I went to uh, Howard University. Go Bisons. And... Um, it was terrific. It was, uh, I loved it. Mm-hmm. So you graduate from Howard. Uh, you move back to New York City, or do you move to well, move back uh, to Newark, or do you come to New York City? No, I, I was 
in Trenton, mm-hmm. Trenton, New Jersey. Oh, sorry, Trenton. And, um, but, um, my, uh, my mother lived here in New York and, um, my bride was a New Yorker, born, mm-hmm. born in New York. So I had a lot of reasons to want to be in New York. So uh, here I was. Okay. And so then how does one go from graduating from college, stint in the Marines, to realizing that you want to run for elected office and be a public servant in the city of New York? Well, the, the, the networking of that day was political clubs. Mm-hmm. So I joined uh, Carver Democratic Club. It was run by Ray Jones, who's known as the Fox. And one day... And the Carver Democratic Club, is that named after George Washington Carver or just... Yeah. Okay. And so one day he said to me, boy, you want to run for the assembly? And I said, I, I don't know. I said, yeah, I would. I would. So I ran for the assembly. It was a one-year term instead of two because the federal court in resolving a lawsuit around apportionment had determined that this would be a one-year term instead of the normal two. So um, after uh, that year... There was nothing else I wanted to do but public service. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I mm-hmm. loved it. What did you love about it? Well, uh, you, uh, mainly people, I guess. Mm-hmm. You uh, you meet so many, many people uh, that uh, are um, important in your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was uh, just delighted. That's what I wanted to do. And so that next year, 1967, I guess it was, I I ran, was elected a delegate to the state constitutional convention, Mm -hmm. which was in many ways similar to the assembly in fact, we used the same chamber, and the uh, president of the convention had been the speaker of the assembly. So it was, uh, I was really at home. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And am I right that your father in law had been in the assembly? Oh, way, yeah, way, way back. So when you married Joyce, did that sort of bring you to some to some extent? In no. Or? No, not really. No. Because he was, uh, my father-in-law was just delighted when I, you know, uh, went to the assembly. Um, and my bride, she was, she was happy and, so it was a it was a good fit. And so from the assembly, <coughs> you then move on where? So you're now addicted to public service. You love the people. You love helping people. And then where do you go? Well, I uh, 
the next year I was a delegate to the Constitutional mm -hmm. Convention. And then uh, thereafter, uh, I uh, uh, I just wanted involvement in public life, public service. And um, so I was uh, as happy as I could be. I thought this is as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. And uh, you meet all kinds of people from all walks of life. And uh, I had the good fortune of making a lot of really good friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, uh, to this day, I think it was one of the best things I ever did. Well, I'm happy you, you ran <laughs> as my forever mayor. Now, who convinced you to run for Manhattan Borough President? Well, um uh, Percy Sutton, mm -hmm. who was our leader, he'd been the Manhattan Borough president. And so uh, I said, you know, that's what I want to do. And uh, I ran a, a long time before I got mm -hmm. elected. Mm -hmm. um, but I was just... Just as happy as I could be being Manhattan Borough President. As a matter of fact, I ran, I don't know, I think three times. And 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 so later, when we were looking for somebody to run against Ed Koch mm -hmm. for mayor, uh, and some folks suggested I, I should do it, I said, hell no. I said, you know how long it took me to get <laughs> to be borough president of Manhattan? And I'm happy being borough president. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I was persuaded. Uh, I, I hate to make it sound like I was drafted, but in a sense, I was. Mm -hmm. So I ran, I ran for mayor, and as I say, the rest is history. The rest is history. So just for a second before we get to your years as mayor, you were nearly deputy mayor, right? And then you were city clerk for 10 years. No, I was I was city clerk for a long time. I was never deputy mayor. Um there was a there was a time when uh we thought that you know, I I should fill such a spot. But I never held that office. I I I I, uh, I was borough president for a long time, four years, and and uh, it took some doing, and, but I was very happy being borough president. And did 1988 and Jesse Jackson's run and his success in New York sort of indicate that there might have been a path as a uh, as folks sort of tried to draft you? Well, in a way. Uh, because I point out that um, uh, I supported Jesse, um, and I guess '84, mm -hmm. and uh, and not everybody did mm -hmm. in '84. He wasn't that popular, but but I did, and 
And then in 85, I, I got elected uh, bar president. And, uh, and then, uh, of course, I got elected mayor. But And you served as Jesse Jackson's finance chair, right, for the state of New York? I During don't know. I, 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 I was some significant part of it. Right. I don't know that I was finally, I don't know what my title was. <laughs> but uh but I um uh because I worked so hard to get where I was I didn't uh people suggested that I run for mayor and I said you know how hard it, it was for me to get to be bar president mm-hmm. and I'm happy being bar president but um we were we had become dissatisfied with Ed Koch, mm-hmm. who had been progressive and liberal as a member of the city council and uh, and for a while as, uh, as borough president. But there, there came a time when we were we we were looking for somebody to run against him, mm-hmm. and and when the su- suggestion came that I should run, I said, you got to be kidding, you know. Hard. I worked to get to where I am. Right. And anyway, I, so I ran, and they say the rest is history. So when you decided to run against Ed Koch, who did you, besides Percy Sutton, who essentially recruited slash drafted you, who did you decide should be in your inner circle to help you in that primary oh, well, race. It, uh, Basil Patterson, uh, Charlie Rangel, I, we were all very close. Mm-hmm. And these were guys uh, uh, on whom I relied for advice and counsel uh, uh, forever and to this day. And how did you meet Charlie Rangel, Basil Patterson, and Percy Sutton. <laughs> you smile. Well, Percy and I were in the assembly together, and Charlie Rangel was the in the office of the counsel for the speaker in the assembly. Okay. So we used to go to to Albany together Monday morning. In fact, I love to tell the story of how Percy was driving. <clears throat> Far minute, tire blue, car turned over, completely upside down on its roof, and uh, <clears throat> but fortunately uh, we were not injured, and we told everybody what a great job Percy had done to avoid going across the median into oncoming traffic. And uh, we walked into the assembly chamber the next day, and everybody stood up and applauded. And then Charlie and I talked to our lawyer. We decided he was negligent as hell. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we were very fortunate. Mm -hmm. And how did you meet Basil Patterson? I've known Basil forever. Um, in 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 those days, the uh, the uh, 
NAACP and, uh, I'm saying what other organizations. Anyway, the, the, the uh, uh, people who survive for and run against each other for these, these spots. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I never ran for, for, uh, um, any of those uh, kind of spots. But uh, almost everybody you knew at one time or other run for uh, uh, president of the Harlem Lawyers Association or, you know, one of your... NAACP chapter yeah, of some sort. Yeah, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, but, but we were... We were... Um, we were friends and known each other forever. So, okay, so we're going to go back to you're drafted to run against Koch. You're successful in the primary. It's 1989, and you beat Koch in the primary. What type of coalition did you work on putting together to oust well, in, I had an a, incumbent and someone as powerful as Koch at the had, time. had a buddy of mine who's gone now. He died at age 72, much too young. That was Bill Lynch. Mm-hmm. And Bill was, uh, uh, it was he who uh, wasn't any other single person mm-hmm. helped, helped me succeed. And because uh, it was more than a, a notion to run against it. The mighty Ed Koch, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, we did and we won. And you won. So now it's time for the general election with our dear friend, Rudy Giuliani. Now, <laughs> Great American. <laughs> Great American. Who I'm told had expected to be running against Ed Koch. And yeah, then found himself in a very different race. Right. Well, I, I, I suppose a lot of people didn't think I would win. You know, when the, the primary. When it started, yeah. Uh, but we did. and uh, Bring that up only because Giuliani, people who worked on that campaign tell me, had anticipated running against Koch, and even as a Republican, given Koch's low standing in the African-American community, in the black community more broadly, that he could peel off 20 25% of that vote. And then if that were ever so, he obviously ran a very different campaign when he uh, when he came up against against you both times, but in 1989. That's true. Yeah, we. Uh, God, it was a long time ago. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, we were successful. We. Uh, Ed Koch was uh, formidable, and um, once we d- took him out, it was mm-hmm. we were in good shape. What was your what was your favorite part of that '89 campaign? It meant so much to so many people, not just New Yorkers, but Black people across the country, and it still does. You as the first and the only African-American mayor of New York City, you know, the epicenter of the United States slash the world. But what do you 
What's your favorite part of that campaign from 1989? Winning. Yeah? Um, winning is... And we had we had a hell of a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was Bill Lynch and Basil Patterson, and Charlie Rangel, and Percy Sutton, all these. It was, it was like a dream almost, team. <laughs> yeah, we almost couldn't lose, given not because of me, but because of the, the, the group that we had. Mm-hmm. They're really terrific. And the being borough president was a great job and fun. How was being mayor? Beg pardon? How was how was being mayor? Oh, I, I have always said that if you like people and you like public service, there's no better job than being mayor of the city of New York. Um, and uh, I loved it. It was terrific. Even in the sort of tough days? Yeah, well, that's part of it. Right. We had a difficult times, of course. But, uh, you, you, you know, I love to tell the story of a little kid in the fifth grade. And uh, there's a, a turtle up high, eight or ten feet high. And the teacher said, what's... Asked, what do you know about this? What's what? And the little kid said, he didn't get there by himself. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I, I had the good fortune of of having had so many wonderful friends and supporters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's almost like you couldn't miss. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as legislation and policy are concerned what's what's something from your time as mayor of the city of new york that you're most proud of well um i suppose uh The thing that captured me the most was uh, those things we were able to do that were all-encompassing, that uh, um, I'm trying to think of a specific. We we had this, what uh, we call Safe Street, Safe City, mm-hmm. and... Um, and uh, it was there were difficult times and crime and whatnot, and uh, our straight thief, straight uh, program did did amazing things, and I remember once going to Albany with uh, Milt Mullen, who was a. Uh, 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 if you called central casting and said, send me a judge, that's what he would look like. <laughs> and so anyway, Milt and I um, 
we uh, we went to uh, Albany and we were talking to this uh, the state senator and uh, and we were arguing for support for our Safe Street, Safe City program. And we said, you know, people are dying in the street. Pardon me. And this guy said, Mr. Mayor, my constituents are concerned with auto theft and graffiti. And we hit the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, uh, it was it was good stuff. Um we got a lot done, but, but the, the 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 reason we were so successful is we had a lot of good people. Mm-hmm. <coughs> it's not a nobody, but nobody gets anywhere alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, God, we had such wonderful people, w- women and men. Uh, and and so uh, it's like you, you almost couldn't miss with the folks we had. Mm-hmm. Were most from New York, or did you recruit? I know you recruited your police commissioner from elsewhere, but did you recruit people from other major cities? No, they're mostly New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even the police commissioner, he when we got he, he had been here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee Brown, but uh, we we really did have some wonderful, wonderful people, women and men, um, and so we we were able to to get things accomplished that some folks thought we might not be able to do, mm-hmm. but that's why. You uh you made a moral call to uh to Washington as sort of the leader of urban America, you know, the, the leader of New York City to to do more to support the city. And unfortunately there was a Republican there until your last year in office. And that slowed down the pace, for instance, of safe streets, safe cities somewhat, I think. <coughs> well, in a way, yeah. Do you think that delayed recognition of what you were able to accomplish, particularly but not just, you know, with, with crime starting to really drop on your watch? Well, I, 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 I'm sure that if we had gotten more su- support earlier, things might have been improved uh, more quickly. But uh, we didn't let that stop us. Uh, Really, the, the the real answer to the whole thing is the good people that we had. We had some women and men. That, oh my God, they were good, smart, dedicated, committed. Uh, now, how did you feel about the press when you were the mayor? We know the current mayor has a somewhat of a tense relationship with the press well, corps. The, 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 the press was. It's hard on on us as it's been on others and uh, but we uh we didn't let it bother us too much. we just kept on coming mm-hmm. um one piece of 
your legacy that I'm always fascinated by and I take advantage of is the U.S. Open. <laughs> now, well, I mean, and I've never played you in tennis. I, I dare not do that because I, <laughs> well, I'm a little rusty. But well, what see, made you? What made you well, go see, in that well, direction? See, one, of course, I'm a tennis fan and mm-hmm. I like tennis and so forth. However, and 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 our detractors said that I wanted the tennis center because you love tennis. I love tennis, but it's more than that. A whole lot more, and and uh, it was uh, uh, the the U.S. Open in two weeks generates more revenue into the economy of the city than the Yankees, Mets, Knicks, and Rangers combined. Mm-hmm. Because people come from all over mm-hmm. the world, come here to eat in our restaurants, stay at our hotels, and so forth. In all five boroughs. Yeah. And so when you add all that up, it's, it's, it's uh, terrific. And uh, so we were... Uh, we were criticize is it just because I like tennis but uh, I, it's true I like tennis but that wasn't the sole reason mm-hmm. and uh, it was it's amazing uh, what the US Open does and still does yeah I'm looking at a picture of you and Serena and you and Venus right now can I ask you about some some people who are very prominent while you were mayor who are very prominent now, and if you recognize them, if they seem very much the same or if they've changed since uh, since those years. Um, maybe let's start with uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> well, when I was Manhattan Borough President and, 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 and as mayor of... Uh, we we had dealings with Trump. I didn't have much to do with him personally, but my staff did because he was a developer and he was, you know, he, he had to worry about the borough president of Manhattan particularly and, of course, the mayor. And uh, so I, I got along with him uh, because I didn't personally deal with him, or at least not often. Is he somewhat unrecognizable today, or is he, as far as some of his rhetoric and... Recognizable? What do you mean? Um, was he always as bombastic and possibly nationalistic as he is today? I Probably. <laughs> yeah, he, he, was, he was never one of my favorite people. Um, but because he's the developer and he was always into stuff, Mm -hmm. he had to deal with the Mm -hmm. borough president of Manhattan and, of course, the mayor, and that was me. That was you. All right, so we'll go to the second person. Who? (laughs) So there's Trump. Uh, Thoughts on Rudy Giuliani, past and present? Let's see if we get another set of chuckles. (laughs) Has he changed, or is he the same same man you recognize? (laughs) I think he's the same. Yeah, uh, when he 
on occasion he will uh, be involved in some controversy and I will say, see, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... Uh, he, was, he was never one of my favorite people, but... Uh, he, he would... I'm sure I wasn't high on his list either. Right. And uh, just, just one more person who's been uh, sort of prominent in the city, in the country for this, this stretch of time uh, would be uh, uh, the Reverend Al Sharpton. Um, when you see him now, is he the same person well, you do then? Or? I've known Al since he was a teenager. <clears throat> in fact, his um, youth group, I, what the hell, I forget what they call it, National Youth no, Network. No, not well, not 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 National Action Network. Mm-hmm. National Youth Network. Okay. And then when that had tax issues, that's where the National Action Network started from. Okay. Well, anyway, I did the corporate work when oh. they formed. Ah. Way way back. Yep. And so I've known Al since he was a teenager, and I. I used to diet all the time, and I've eaten uh, uh, not grass, but, you know. <laughs> so Al tells the story of how he came to have lunch with me, and he told me, I told his mother, he said, you know, the mayor eats grass. <laughs> but I was eating, uh, you know, uh, low-calorie stuff. But, no, I, we've been friends a long time. We've uh, there've been times when we had uh, uh, paths crossed a little. Um, uh, Crown Heights. Uh, I remember Bill Lynch saying, "said don't, don't don't worry about Al. He'll do the right thing." And he did. He was. We've been we've been we've done all right over the years. Mm-hmm. When we've spoken, he has the utmost respect for you in a host of different ways. Um, he occupies a very particular space in New York City politics, not ever having been elected to office, um, but sort of serving as a as a leader and a foil at times. Is there anyone else you can think of or that comes to mind when we think about who they possibly were in the 80s and who they are now? <laughs> Maybe our current mayor or the Clintons or... <clears throat> well, the de Blasio and, and his wife both worked with me. Mm-hmm. She was one of my speechwriters. And uh, on occasion, if these days, if we're on dais together, I sometimes will say to the audience, I don't have a speech today because she didn't write one. <laughs> but uh, we, we've been friends a long time. I, I liked them both. Just one other question, something you said. I just want to – I wasn't sure. So, so in your estimation, just with Sharpton, in 1993 and in Crown Heights – 
and maybe in 1990 with the uh, with the Korean grocery boycott, your view was that at the end of that, that he ended up doing the right thing in both those instances. Yeah, yeah. I uh, uh, Bill Lynch used to always have great faith that that Al would, you know, he he, he would do the right thing, as it were. No, he's uh, he's all right with me. Mm-hmm. So, let's fast forward to 1993. It's time to run for re-election. You've been working for the citizens of New York City, and you're, it's essentially the rematch, right? Dinkins versus Giuliani. You beat him by, what, roughly 50,000 votes in 89. What do you think had changed either in the city or in his campaigning style and your campaigning style in 93 that that made the tide turn for Giuliani? I have no idea. I don't know if I reflect on it long enough. I, I might uh, think of something, but I don't, uh, I don't know. Okay. So after that election, though, because you've been a public servant now at this point for essentially most of your adult life, did you ever think about running for another office or running for mayor again in four years or, you know, going back to the assembly or something else? No. No? It felt just... After you've been mayor... You know, what is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, uh, I love being mayor of New York. It's, I mean, as I say all the time, it's, if you like public service and you like people, there's no better job mm-hmm. than being mayor of New York. Maybe, maybe being president of the United States. Really? I was about to... I was curious if you'd offer that first piece of advice to, to Bill de Blasio, but maybe that second part is the answer. Well, you know, it, it's a it's a sort of a personal thing, you know. Um, and uh, but people, from time to time, somebody will say to me uh, something, suggest something in, sort of negative about de Blasio, and I will tell them, "Oh no." I said, he's a good person. And that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, if, if you've got a good heart, if you, you know. Well, they say that public office doesn't change you. It just exposes who you are. Well, maybe that's true. So, I mean, the fact that you are, A, sort of the forever mayor, B, known as a gentleman and a scholar, sort of maybe that's the exposure of the office. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, All I can tell you is that being mayor, I've always said, being mayor of New York, if you're a certain kind of person, you got to like public service, you got to like people, uh, especially children. But but, uh, if if that be true, then there's no better job than being mayor of New York City. Mm -hmm. I say it all the time. And I, I would say the only job that possibly could be better be maybe being president of the United States. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but LBJ had that famous saying where, you know, when everything was exploding around him, he had civil rights actions going on. He's got Vietnam on his shoulders. And he says, you know, it could be worse. I could be a mayor. <laughs> <laughs> it seems as though, you know, being a mayor, especially mayor of New York City, I've been told it's it's essentially like changing the tire of your bicycle during the Tour de France. So okay. did it feel that way? Or did you ever Sometimes. have a moment of oh, yeah. we, reflection? We, I never I never felt, oh, I don't want to be mayor. This mm-hmm. is terrible. Never, ever felt like that. Mm-hmm. But we had our difficult times, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, no question about it. But uh, the, the real key to the whole damn thing is the people with whom you surround yourself. Mm-hmm. I had, I, God, Bill Lynch. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Mm-hmm. He just was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, and uh, and then there were there were others. I remember one day Bill Bill said to me, "You got to meet Maxine Maxine Griffith." I said, "Who's she?" And he told me. I said, "Well, okay." Anyway, I met Max and fell in love. I used to call her my Max. She's as smart as oh God, she's bright, and she's an architect, and uh, she's here. Well, I mean, she's here at Columbia. Now, she's, uh, oh. But we had some amazing people. I mean, mm-hmm. really good folks. Mm-hmm. What was it like the very first time you walked into Gracie Mansion as mayor? I'm assuming you'd been there several times before in your capacity as borough president and elected official. But what did it feel like as the first African-American mayor of New York City to walk into your new home as a symbol, right, to not just New Yorkers, but to literally millions of people across the well, country. Well, the same sort of feeling I had when I would be away and I'm flying back to New York, especially if it's at night and the lights out there. And you look at that and I'd say, and I'm in charge. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I was, it was terrific. Uh, um, I, I really enjoyed being mayor. I, I loved it. I ask you just a couple of questions about, uh, about your book, The Mayor's Life. Um, first, I'm curious if there's any reason that for, for, it came out, I believe in 2013. So that, that, that had been... 20. 20 years and uh, two non-democratic mayors, five terms of them later. Um, if there was the same way you decided you've been mayor and there's nowhere to go from there, that, that there was such a pause before you uh, you put that together. Now, people used to say to me, as I'm sure they once say to you too, you ought to write a book, you know, kind of <laughs> thing. And so... Uh, uh, I guess one of the main forces in getting me to, to, to actually stop and, and do it was uh, Lynn Riggio in Barnes and Noble. He didn't he didn't publish it, 
that, that wasn't it. But he, he used to say to me, Dave, you really ought to. And so I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I did. And in that book you say, which is something we asked about a minute ago, um, that what happened in 1993, you say at one point it was racism, plain and simple. What shifted, and you sort of categorize Giuliani and, and some of his uh, incitements in similar terms. Um, <coughs> and that made me think some about uh, about Trump and how stunned people were at his victory. And, you know, is this the city I thought it was or is it the country I thought it was? Do you think that somebody running an appeal like Giuliani made in 1993, could could be elected mayor or appealed to New York now, or is that moment passed? Well, well, I can only tell you that that um, when he was running, I uh, I felt about God if he gets elected, I'm moved to Bermuda. <laughs> I used to say that, and every now and then somebody would say to me, "When are you leaving?" No, I, he's he not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Do you think somebody like him could be New York City's t- cup of tea again, or has the city you mean, changed you mean, enough? You mean, could he get reelected? The likes of him, yeah. I hope not, but but it, you know, it, it 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 always comes down to the function of well, who else is running, mm-hmm. and so forth, and. Uh, but there are a lot of good people, women and men out here. And, you know, one could argue it's time for a woman to be mayor of New York. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not? Did you feel like you cultivated female talent and black female talent during your time as, as mayor? Oh, yeah. We had some. I, I, I can't claim any credit. For they, they were already good, and I just mm-hmm. roped them in. But I had wonderful people. That, that, that damn, they were just real good. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, politicians today inspire you? Either in New York or well, I, I like David Patterson a lot because mm-hmm. I'm biased because. His uh, his his father and mother good friends and I always thought highly of him mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, he uh, as you know he's legally blind which I mean if he picks something up at all real close I guess he could sort of see it but uh, I think and he got maybe because of his sight problems, his memory is, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, I think he's real good. To this day, I've never understood why he did not appoint himself to the, uh, to the Senate. I, I don't know. So, I don't know the answer to that. He, he may have felt, uh, that, That he shouldn't because he could. I, I don't know. But he is a, 
He's a <coughs> pardon me. He's a real smart guy and a real good person. And he presided over the state of New York during a recession. It's, some might argue a depression, depending on what community you ask, um, and doesn't necessarily get the credit for that as well. No, he's he's terrific. He's... Is anyone? Uh, are there any electeds across the country that you're keeping your eye out for? Were inspired by? No, I, I mean I don't. Um, I'm sure there are many good people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems nation, like you know nationwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems to be a new generation of kind of young black yeah. mayors that are definitely inspired by you. I'm thinking about the mayor of Birmingham and. Uh, in Mississippi, there's uh, Lumumba, who they've all cited you as inspirations in a lot of ways. Do you have any advice that you would give to aspiring politicians now looking to be, say, mayor of New York? Well, uh, I, I, the because I've been in politics and government, uh, students will come to see me not just my students, but other students here at Columbia. And uh, I tell them all the same thing. If your interest in government and public service is because you envision seeing your name in lights, you're not properly motivated. Mm -hmm. You got to want to help people. And so that's the advice I give to... Mm -hmm. um, if 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 one seeks public office because they want to say I am the the mayor, I am the governor, I am whatever, they <coughs> they got it all wrong. Mm-hmm. You got to want the whole office because. You want to help people. You want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I don't know. There, are, there are, there are people who uh, are pretty good, or could be pretty good, but they just—they're not properly motivated. Mm. Uh, when you were mayor, what was your relationship like with your city council? Well, we got along some of the time. Most of the time, I guess. Um, generally, we got along all right. Mm-hmm. What was your relationship like with the New York Post? New York Post? Oh, God. I have, uh, I think the Post is poses a pits. They, uh, they, I don't know. It, what they practice is in journalism. It's, I don't know what the hell it is. Uh, no, I don't like the post. 
Because I don't know they don't like me either. <laughs> it's so mutual. It's, <laughs> right. So it's, it's okay. Now, as you sort of wind down, I know, you know, you're no longer teaching at Columbia. I was always lucky enough to be invited as a guest in your class. What's a typical day in the life of the 106th mayor of New York City these days? <coughs> well, I uh, I pretty much do the same kinds of things I've always done. Um, I don't teach a class, but I I get to speak from time to time with here and elsewhere with students. And uh, some some say to me, well, now, now you're retired. I said, I haven't retired. I just, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I don't hold office and, you know, so forth. But, but otherwise, I'm, uh, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing today. Let me see. Uh, I'm just, just seeing you guys. But, um, the difference is, I guess, I do what I want to do, mm-hmm. and there, there, there's a real joy in that, you know. But, um, but I, I, I love young people, and I'll go places to speak to kids, and, uh, and you know, tell them like everybody does that you are our future, mm-hmm. and they are, and they're terrific. Uh, I have a ton more questions I want to ask you. And at the same time, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but hopefully we don't get to come back and ask you a few more later. Go ahead. This may be entirely to the side, but are you still playing tennis at all? And I haven't played in a few years. I'm not able. Uh, I miss it, but I enjoy watching. Will you be at the U.S. Open? Oh. If I'm not dead, I have to put an asterisk in the record book. <laughs> No, I'm definitely. Who are you pulling for? Well, I, I like uh, Serena, of course, and uh, and I'm a Federer fan. Cat uh, makes it look easy. You know. How do, how do you feel about Osaka? The woman, mm-hmm. the, the the young. Haitian, Japanese, yeah, yeah, sort of sensation who beat oh, Serena. She's, she's, oh, she's, can't discount her. Mm-hmm. <coughs> she, uh, she's a comer. She's going to, you know, we're going to hear more from her, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. The one, so I see, um, I see Serena there. I see John McEnroe. Um, Arthur Ashe. Yes, of course, Arthur Ashe. Um, in your prime, who is your game the most like? Well, and, whose game, game. <laughs> mm-hmm. and whose game did you aspire to have? Well, I I, I wish I had Arthur, Arthur's game, but I never had much of a serve. Um, but Arthur was, uh, he, he was... So good and so smart. Who will ever forget the, the 
the match where he beat, uh, I guess it was McEnroe. And um, uh, where was it? I think it was in England or someplace like that. But he, um, but he's a, and he was a friend. He's a good friend. He, he and Jeannie, I love a lot. Did you ever play against Althea Gibson? <coughs> Not really play it against her, but I hit the ball on the court <laughs> once. Twice. I used to call her champ. Mm-hmm. She was very good. You know, she was bitter toward the end. And the reason was uh, that she never realized any of the benefits of being the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. She uh, she didn't have any uh, endorsement contracts or things like that, and so she was she was always a little bitter. And I remember once I called her up, uh, some reporter who was a friend said, "Dave, you you know her. I want to interview her. It'll be a puff piece. I want to." Re- I said, man, she doesn't talk to me. Oh, so he, I said, all right, I'll try. So I called her up. Whoever this reporter, I forget now who it was. And she said, Dave, you know I don't talk to the press. And she gave me hell. (laughs) But she's she's quite a woman. A hell of a tennis player. There's several pictures of Nelson Mandela. Oh, that's my man. The greatest. The greatest. And I there I know you and Bill Lynch brought him to New York. What did that feel like being oh, in Yankee Stadium with well, him? Well let me tell you. I tell the story about how he stayed at Gracie Mansion. And I was concerned that the bed might not be sufficiently long because <laughs> he's kind of tall. Very tall. Now, uh, later, uh, there it is right there. Mm-hmm. That's 1992. With young and, Bill Clinton and young and, Al Gore. And, and uh, as you can see, Clinton might be a shade taller. Mm-hmm. And so then I realized... This this was like ninety two, it was nineteen ninety when he was coming here, and I realized the reason that that I uh, was concerned was because in my mind he was ten feet tall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a guy! Yeah, I sit with my back to these pictures, so I, I don't really. You know, get to see him. So I turn around and look and I reminisce. I see one with uh, Mario Cuomo and and Richards. What was your relationship like with Mario Cuomo? We we got along, not bad. But uh, <laughs> Richards, that was a funny lady. She she she's running against Bush mm-hmm. for governor, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she said. Uh, 
you're not bush, you're shrub or something like that. <laughs> 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 you're funny. She's a hell of a sense of humor. And who is this here in the wheelchair who you're shaking hands with? Where? Oh, that's the fox. That's J. Raymond Jones. Okay. That is the fox. Okay. J. Harry Ray- and I saw a picture and we, we yeah. weren't sure. J. Raymond Jones. Yes. And how was your relationship with uh, Andrew Cuomo? Okay. I get along with both. Uh, I, I got along with Mario and I get along with Andrew. Can you actually play guitar? Because I see you there with Paul Simon. No. You, you know what that is? Um, Paul Simon and... Uh, 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 a physician named Erwin Redliner. They were the founders of the Children's Health Fund. And uh, and that's why um, that's one of my favorite charities. There's several pictures um, of you with Lena Horne over the years. I'm uh, looking over here on the oh, bookshelf. Yeah, yeah. How did you all... I loved to have a friendship. I loved her, and once, once, once I was going to have a a a, a, ben, a, a fundraiser benefit for me, mm-hmm. and it was that uh, uh, remember Howard Samuels? Well, anyway, Howard Samuels. This was going to be at at his home. He was like eighty first in Central Park West. Or something in that neighborhood, and and Lena was, uh, you know, she didn't dig air conditioning, and you know she, she, uh, and she was doing a one woman show someplace, you know, downtown, off Broadway or whatever, and uh, so she was. We were having this fundraiser at Howard Samuel's, and she was. My, uh, she wasn't going to perform or anything, but she was my draw to help get people to come. So um, it started to rain lightly. I said, oh, shit. Because, you know, she's... And a cab pulled up, and she came dashing through the rain, carrying this little umbrella. I never forget. I said, "That's my gal. She's she's terrific." Mm-hmm. Did you and Koch get along up to and prior to running? Eh, not bad. And after you won, not bad. Uh, you know, we weren't kissing cousins, but you know, we 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 did all right. We had a lot of mutual friends. Yeah, a lot of his close friends and advisors were people that I had affection for. Uh, you had mentioned that his switch from progressive to then when he was mayor. Maybe talk a little bit about that, like how he had been progressive before. Yeah, well, that's when uh, 
he had he had been uh, uh, Ed Koch had been a liberal progressive member of the city council, the Congress, and uh, but to some of us, he seemed to have moved more to the to the right. <clears throat> so that's when we were looking for somebody to run against him, and. In a sense, I was drafted because I, I, you know, I didn't. I was happy being borough president. Hell, I had run a long time before I finally got the job. And I, I said, "This is pretty good being borough president of Manhattan." I said Manhattan, you got Wall Street, the, the Apollo Theater. You know, Manhattan is <laughs> so. Uh, I was really very happy with that. So the notion of running against uh, Koch uh, didn't thrill me because I was happy doing what I was doing. I worked very hard to get there. But uh, as I say, I was drafted in a sense. Did you ever have a relationship with Harold Washington in Chicago? Not no, not we we were friendly, because mm-hmm. um, he was, you know, he was uh, in office around the same time. Mm-hmm. And what about Bradley in L.A.? Same thing. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Were there earlier mayors that you looked to as models, and were there mayors at the same time that you were particularly impressed by? Well, I always thought John Lindsay was cat's meow. I said I just called him Big John. I thought the cat was class. If I wanted to, I wanted to look or sound like anybody would been would have been he. He was just terrific. Would you say that he's one of your favorite New York City mayors? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And then who were some of your peers during the time that you were mayor that you either served as confidants or people you looked to? Well, uh, I liked, I liked uh, the mayors of... uh, the guy, the blacks who were mayors of uh, major cities when I was coming along in Newark and uh, Philadelphia, Los Angeles. But uh, <clears throat> I didn't, um, when, when I was actually in office, I uh, I don't have a recollection of being particularly close to, mm-hmm. to any of those guys. We were all friendly, you know. How could you not be you know, mayor of New York? <laughs> Two very goofy questions for you. Do you see uh, Do you see Mayor Nutter around here? And how do you two do? You say Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor when you see each other. Or how does that go? That's what I call him, Mr. Mayor. 
In fact, you know, he is, uh, as David Dinkins chair. chair. And I like him a lot. I blatantly call him my second favorite mayor in front of Mayor Dinkins, just so <laughs> he knows. <laughs> and if I look up there from your assembly run, then I really want to know when, which is a great photo, by the way, uh, when you went from Dave Dinkins to David Dinkins. Oh, I it just hit me. Mm-hmm. No, I. Uh, I. Uh, <coughs> I don't know why that's. Dave, you know, that that was, uh, oh, God, I think I was running for, like, district leader or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep, Democratic district, yeah, it's got to be, yeah. But now here's, uh, this is Fritz Alexander. And who's that? He, he, he and I were friends. Law partners. In fact, the firm was Diet Alexander and Dinkins. Oh, okay. And he. Uh, what was the first name you said? Diet D Y E T T. Okay. Uh, probably don't have his picture here. He's an old timer. Uh, and uh, and Fritz and I have been friends a long time, and we were even law partners for a while. So imagine. How emotional that was for him to swear me in. He swore you as, in. Yeah, as mayor. Wow. What uh, Bible did you use? I don't remember. I don't remember. And I know you went to Brooklyn College at night. How long did it no, take? No, I, I, no. No? No, I went, no. I went to Brooklyn Law School. Brooklyn Law School at night. You went to Howard undergrad, but Brooklyn Law right. at night. How long did it take you to complete law no, school? No, I, 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 uh, um, I didn't go at night. I went, I went in day and worked at night. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. And how did you meet Fritz? Oh, we just yeah, we were neighbors and we lived in the Riverton, mm-hmm. and uh, we 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 go way back a uh, hundred years, <laughs> at least ninety one. And how did you meet Jesse Jackson originally? I see him in this photo. Well, uh, here with Bill Lynch in the picture. This one right ahead. Oh, here. What were you all celebrating there? I think this was uh, election night in 1990, I think. That's my father and my father in law, Bill Lynch. Mm-hmm. Basil Patterson, it's my bride. And it's, 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 you can best to see her head there. Is our daughter Donna, and that's a little fella. That's our, our son, mm-hmm. <laughs> Daddy's little guy. And yeah, I think that's what that was. I think that was election night. Let's see, Herb, Herb Daughtry, Charlie Rangel. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love to turn around and look at these pictures and reminisce. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't get to look at them otherwise. I'm, I have my back to the photographs. 
but you've had so many experiences with so many important folks. I'm old, that's what it is. <laughs> now, when you get to be as old as I am, you... Yeah, I'm... I am up there. What's the best part about being... It's it's a noctogenarian? Uh, I should know this. It's, What's the best part about being 90 something? Yeah. That you got there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh my God. Yeah. Yep. Uh, see, there's this one of the real great ones up there. Mm-hmm. Paul, Paul Robeson. Robeson. So, in your wall, you have Paul Robeson, Arthur Ashe, and Nelson Mandela. And as Harry noted earlier, the key to, was that Birmingham, Alabama? Uh, I don't know what the key is. I don't remember. What is it? Birmingham. Birmingham? Birmingham. Okay. Oh. And there are the Obamas there. Do you talk to President Obama? Frequently. No, I mean we're we're friendly, but I mean I don't call him up and say, "Hey, man, what's <laughs> happening?" You know? See this this that's you know Goodman, Cheney, and Schwerner. Mm-hmm. That's Goodman, and uh, each year on, on Dr. King's birthday, when we you know go to travel around to churches and places, he he he. Uh, he comes and hangs out with me. And what's this picture up top? Is this you signing? Uh, right there. Is the lease for the U.S. or the yeah. lease signing for the U.S. Open? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, uh, as I recall, a 99-year lease. Yep. There's, oh, I didn't notice Billy Jean, Billy Jean King. Oh, yeah. In our list of tennis players. Up My there. friend. She'd done more for not just little girls in tennis, but boys. Uh, she, uh, we're good friends. She's terrific. Because you remember she, uh, remember she had a, Contract for like a dollar with a handful of other women. Uh, oh yeah, she's she she is she's the reason a whole lot of these people are making money today. Mm-hmm. She's terrific. And thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I hope we'll we'll get to talk again, but. In any case, really appreciate it. No, I'm happy it's to do fun. it. I really am happy to do it. You think uh, Kelly did a good job when he came back under Bloomberg? Ray Kelly? Yeah. Yeah. He's a Marine, you know. I do. <laughs> no bias there. Oh. That's why I always call him Colonel. I never... Uh, 
I never called him commissioner. Oh, I called him colonel. Mm-hmm. And one day uh, I saw him and his wife, and I said, hi, colonel. I turned to her, I said, Mrs. Colonel? <laughs> and she said, Mr. Mayor, I have a title of my own, and I outrank you. <laughs> well, I well. Said, what, what's that? Petty Officer First Class United States Coast Guard. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Ooh. She's terrific. Yeah. Well, at some point, we need to just go through all these pictures with you one day. You okay. have so many, so many great photos. And please give our best to Mrs. Dinkins. My bride. Mrs. Your okay. bride, your beautiful bride. What did she think about you running for office? Did she enjoy her time sort of when you were an elected official and in the spotlight, sort of dealing with the post and Rudy? She just, and... She just went along with the program. She well, Mr. Mayor, we can't thank you enough. No, thank for you. joining us at FAQ NYC, your well, very first podcast <laughs> at well, 91 years old. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's fun to reminisce and, you know, look, look back and especially these that I don't really get to see because mm-hmm. <coughs> I'm looking this way. Right. We might need to switch up your pictures so you can. No, I just need to turn around. Right. You just need then. to swivel. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mr. Mayor, you just, you mean so much to, obviously you mean a lot to me, but you mean a lot to many, many New Yorkers. Uh, Literally and symbolically for what you've done. Yeah, there's a great guy right there. Is that Andy Young? Yeah. We used to call him Little Andy Young. Little Andy Young. Yeah, we, we were uh, at Howard together. Mm-hmm. He came. I was already there. He came. He was a very smart guy. He must have, he must have finished high school at 16 or something. Mm-hmm. What made you choose Howard? I mean, we know Howard was the crown jewel at the, at the time. Well, my... Stepmother was a Howard graduate. Okay. Class of 29. And uh, when I got out of the service, you could go anywhere you wanted. It would accept you, get the GI Bill. And uh, so I said, uh, I'll go next year. She said, No, you go now. I said, It's too late. This is August. But she had a classmate, class of 29, who was in charge of Veterans Affairs. Do you remember what dorm you lived in? Yeah. um, See, I thought that I would live on campus in Cook Hall. Mm -hmm. But they said I was too old because I was 19. I was a veteran. That that was the problem. And so I lived out in northeast Washington. Mm Mm-hmm. They had, they had three dorms, Guam, Wake, and Midway. And I lived at Wake Hall. Wake Hall. And because it was it was a, you know, vet thing. Mm-hmm. When did you shift from mostly ties to mostly bow ties? Well, I, I go through uh, stages. <laughs> like like now I'm in bow tie, but... Uh, but uh, 
I, I like I like bow ties and. I've only known you in your bow tie phase. I don't know if I met you in your tie phase. Well, you look at some of these pictures, you'll see. Oh yeah. Indeed. Now, yeah. have you? I see a picture up there with Spike Lee. Oh, Spike is my buddy. He's a good guy. Need to make sure we call him and congratulate him on that Oscar. How about that? Did you see Do the Right Thing when it came out? Like in the theaters? I know you were busy at that point in your life. I still haven't seen it. No, really? Any reason why? No, I just haven't. <laughs> You're busy. <laughs> no, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get to go to the movies or theaters often. Mm-hmm. It's very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, I would like to see it. And I probably will one day. Yeah. Jesus is dad, daddy's angel there. Uh-huh. You have a lot of pictures of the Clintons. You've clearly known them for a very long time. Yeah. The DNC was in New York in 1992. What was that like, sort of managing so many people uh, in your party? <laughs> Good staff. Yeah. So, uh... Now, here's a question. You were still mayor during the first World Trade Center bombing in 93? Was that the case? Um, yeah, I guess it must have been. Did that shift any ways that you interacted with the police or the federal government? As no, as not really. We, we, you know, we... Um, it was uh, heightened security and all like that. But As a black mayor, did you ever fear for your life, knowing what has happened to black leaders in the past? I didn't fear for my life, but I was mindful mm-hmm. that I could be a target. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wasn't afraid, but I, I was mindful. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever think about what your job as mayor meant to say your family who also had to be mindful, you know, sort of Davy and Donna and your bride? Or is that something that you sort of have to compartmentalize? Yeah, I, I didn't think about it really a whole lot. But I was I was aware that um, we could be targets. Mm-hmm. Daddy, little fella, and the angel. Mm-hmm. I tell our son, <coughs> I say, your mother makes good children. <laughs> he said, well, Dad, you're half right. <laughs> <laughs> now, your He's children decided cat. not to go into elected office. Well, I don't know that they ever considered it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They considered and decided not to do it. I don't, you know. We, I uh, I don't know. They ever gave it a thought. They're both very smart. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, two usually two smarts make a smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Daddy's angel. She, you know, she uh, she joined the Peace Corps and spent uh, 
two or three years in the, in um, Africa. So when she came, and she was working with midwives. Hmm. So when she came home, I said, well, maybe you should think about med school. She snapped at me and said, Daddy, you don't have to be a doctor to help people. That is true. Oh, man, she's terrific. Yeah. I think we have our first round. I think with, we do. With Thank my you. favorite mayor. Thank you. Thank you. On the record, I'm saying this. I'm Dr. Christina Greer. It is March 11th, 2019. I'm sitting with my favorite mayor, the 106th mayor <laughs> of New York that, City. She says that to all the mayors. <laughs> I say that to all the mayors. No, I do not. <laughs> you can ask Mayor Nutter, Mayor de Blasio, <laughs> Mayor Schmoke, <laughs> you name it. Mm. Well, we appreciate you so much. Nah, nonsense. I'm happy to do it. This was great. I thank you. F-A-Q. FAQ NYC is a production of Racket Media and a proud member of the Brick House Cooperative of Independent Journalists and Artists. We're headquartered at NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research and recorded this week from the boroughs of Brooklyn and Manhattan and the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. This week's episode was recorded in February of 2019 with the late Mayor Dinkins. Our executive producer is Alex Brooklyn and Adam Kamara mixed and edited this episode. Be safe, be good, wear a mask, and we'll see you next week. Happy holidays.